Easter's coming up. I'll just give a quick announcement. The, the Sunday before Easter, how many knows it's Palm Sunday, right? And we're going to have a Palm Sunday celebration. We haven't done anything like that probably in a really long time. I don't know if we're actually going to have palm leaves or whatever, but we're going to have fun. We're going to worship and celebrate Jesus, the King of Kings, coming in, riding in on a donkey, the, the humble man of God. We're going to celebrate him. And then we have some special things we're going to do. We're going to um, have a ceremony where we nail our sins or we place our sins upon a cross and then how God takes our, our, our ashes and converts them into beauty. There's going to be a ceremony thing that happens over that week. That Friday, we're going to have a table of communion here together. We're going to invite you to come. It's going to be table style giant table for everyone to sit around like a family like Jesus did with his disciples laughing having fun together but then remembering what Jesus did as a family and we're gonna have a special night that Friday before the good good Friday at seven o'clock and then we'll have an Easter celebration that Sunday we want you to invite friends if you haven't invited someone to church in a long time invite someone to church I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it again until everyone's like amen invite someone to church God's God's got special things for people he wants, to, he wants to bring breakthrough into every person's life that you know. Did you know that every person you know, God has breakthrough set aside for them, and you might be part of the answer and the solution for their breakthrough? And all you have to do is just say yes and open your mouth. He'll feel it. So invite someone, and we're going to have a celebration. We're going to have family photo booth where we, where we, have, uh, like we really spend time and create a, a, a booth and have someone who's out there taking photos. We can send your family photos to you at home. Um, it's not just a photo op like, hey, I went to church today. No, it's like family photo day, all right? We're going to make it special, and we're going to preach the gospel. Jesus is going to touch people's lives. Uh, it's impossible to hear the gospel and have nothing happen to you, right? Like it just does something. So that's coming up. Easter's coming up, and I'm excited. Um, I love Easter. Um, I want to finish the message up from last week. Um, we started like there's these six fundamental truths, these things that we just really we believe with all of our heart. And um, <clears throat> have me remember, um, uh, let's see here, yeah, what they are. So last week we talked about that God is good. Come on. Have me say God is good. God is good. And we talked about how when Moses said, I, I want to see your face, he's like, no one can see my face, but there is a place I can hide you in the rock, which represented Jesus. And he says, I will allow all of my, my goodness. Everyone say goodness. I will allow all of my goodness to pass in front of you. Ooh, come on. God is good. He reveals himself to us through his goodness, through his kindness. The Bible even says it's his kindness that leads us to a place of repentance. He doesn't force us. He doesn't drive us. He doesn't slap us around. He kindly leads us into, into repentance. And then the second one we talked about is that nothing is impossible. Jesus said that with men it's impossible, but with God, all things. Everyone say that. All things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Is there anything in your life that seems impossible right now? The Bible says that all things are possible with Jesus. And then he says this, and then all things are possible to those who believe. I love how he always is giving us access to more. He could have just said, hey, Jesus can do anything. Nothing's impossible with Jesus. And that would have been wonderful. But he went even further and invited us and said, and nothing will be impossible for you if you can believe. There's something special about that. So God is good. Nothing's impossible and then we talked about the third one, that Jesus' blood paid it all. It paid for everything. His atonement 
paid the price for our salvation, amen, for our healing, for our deliverance. And we talked about why we have a mental block, and we believe that Jesus can save our soul, but we have a mental block when it comes to healing, and we shouldn't. Sometimes we have a mental block when it comes to deliverance, and we shouldn't, because we believe that Jesus paid for all of it, all at the cross. His blood covered every bit of it, salvation, healing, deliverance, marriage reconciliation, broken hearts, wounds from the past. There's nothing that we experience in life from the enemy that Jesus didn't already pay and create a remedy for it. Are y'all okay? All right. And we're going to keep going today. Number four, you can say this out loud with me, all right? I am significant. Would you say that out loud again? I am significant. Huh. We did a thing at the Bridge Church years ago where we said, um, I'm awesome and it's okay. <laughs> and it felt really weird to say that. I'm awesome and it's okay. All right. You're like, that doesn't feel right. Well, let's, let's look into this scripturally, all right? In 1 John 3 verse 1, and I could have pulled like 100 verses that talked about how awesome God thinks that we are. That his love for us was so great, he wouldn't love us if we weren't worthy of love. So we are significant to him. What great love the Father has lavished. What a great word. Lavished. Excessively poured out. More than enough. The kind of God we serve. The excessive God. He lavished his love. He didn't just give us a little bit. He lavished his love on us. Would you read it with me? That we should be called children of God. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And then he finishes the verse by saying, and that is what we are. <laughs> you're a son, you're a daughter. He thinks that we're awesome. He thinks that we're significant. We're significant because of the value that God placed on us. And not only did he give his son to pay for our penalty, but he comes and he lives inside of our heart. If we weren't significant, he wouldn't choose our heart as a place to dwell. But he did. He chose your heart. He chose you as a place to live by his spirit. Come on. And if we don't believe that we're significant, then we will not properly step into our authority and favor as sons and daughters. If we have the wrong amount of self-respect um, or significance or belief that we're significant, then we will not rise to the occasion and we won't step up to the calling that God's placed on our life because we won't think we're worthy of it. We won't live lives of significance if we don't think we're significant. Y'all are going to have to help me out. It's too quiet for me. I, I was like, I thought we were at a Pentecostal church. <laughs> My dad used to say, I'll preach faster if you help me out. <laughs> but there's, there has been a breakdown in our believing that we're significant in the church. And what it's done is it's caused the church to hide. And we put our lamp under a bushel because we don't think we have anything to offer the world. And part of that is because we've overvalued what the world has. And we've pursued inferior things. And we've lost the fact that we have superior things inside of us. 
That what we have is not inferior. That what Jesus has put inside of us is significant. It is more significant than anything in this world. That's why he said don't be friends with the world. Don't draw your resources from the world because it's inferior. You're significant. What you carry is significant. Not just for you, but for everyone around you. And we've allowed ourselves and we've tolerated inferior things and God's shaking our belief system. He's shaking our value system. And part of that is we've got to believe that we carry significance inside of us. I want to talk about the other side of it. Well, what happens if we're proud? See, pride is false significance. If we have to pat ourselves on the back and puff ourselves up, then we are doing that in ourselves. Humility doesn't pat itself on the back. And that's the scripture there, Romans 12, 3. What does it say? For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Let's think that scripture through for a second. So if he says, don't think too highly of yourselves more than you should, then there is an appropriate level of how we should think of ourselves. He's like, think of yourselves highly but not more highly than you ought to. But rather think of yourselves with sober judgment. That's the humility that comes in. I don't overvalue myself. See, the church needs to find its significance again without moving into the false pride side of it. Sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to us. Come on. See, if we think too highly of ourselves, we will not know the power of humility. Jesus humbled himself. Yep, he humbled himself. He did not, like it even says in scripture, which was the complete opposite of Satan. Satan looked at God and his throne and he goes, I want that. I deserve that. I'm actually going to climb the hill of God and I'm going to sit there. Jesus, the scripture says, it says he did not consider equality with God as something that he should drive after he humbled himself. This is Philippians 2. He humbled himself. He didn't look at his father and go, oh, I should be just like an equal with him and I should, I should get praise and I should get glory. Everything he did brought glory to the father. And it's pride that says, I deserve this. Pride partners with entitlement. But humility says, I don't deserve that unless God releases it to me. I don't deserve that unless God says yes. I don't apprehend and take hold of things because I'm so significant. No, it's humility that makes us significant. And there's not this false humility thing, which is beating ourselves up. Like, you know, the famous saying, like, humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less, right? I mean, it's absolutely true. <laughs> How do we know that that we're thinking too highly of ourselves. We only like people that are like us. Yeah. I'm say that one again. How do we know that we're moving in the wrong side of significance and we think too highly of ourselves? We only like people that are like us. You know, Danny Silk says, I honor and I love the me that I see in you. Ooh. 
which means I can only treat people well that have the same value systems that I have, that have the same God that I have, that believe the same political things that I believe, that watch the same kinds of shows, or does family the way I do family, or does finances the way I do finance. Like, we could just go down the list. Oh, I, only, I, I can only honor and value people and find significance in them if I see the same things in them that I value. That's honoring ourselves and thinking too highly of ourselves. We're supposed to think we're significant, but not more than we should. Amen? All right, that's a good word. Let's move to the next one. Would you say that with me? There are mysteries. This is a good one because every single one of us have had many occasions in life where something happens or didn't happen and it did not make sense to us. And we came bef- and we could have even and probably did go before God and go, God, this doesn't make sense. Why is this thing happening? Why is this thing not happening? Why did this happen that way? Why, 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 why? And God's not afraid of why. Because the mystery is an invitation. I don't know if God often says to me, Jared, just because I said so. <laughs> like we do some just because I said sometimes God does that to me but most of the time God's inviting me into the mystery hey why don't you seek this out Proverbs 25 2 says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter to hide a matter but it's the glory of kings to search it out so we live in mystery I don't understand why certain things have happened in my life or didn't happen but I know that in the kingdom there's mystery and if I trust that God is good that nothing's impossible that Jesus' blood paid for everything, that I'm significant, then the mystery does not shake my faith. I've been in seasons of my life where things happened that shook my faith. But that can only happen if I don't have those other foundations. But if I have those foundations secured, if I'm anchored like Kyle and the band sang about today, I'm anchored to Jesus, then when mystery comes, I don't run from God. I don't get offended with God. I don't shut down. I become a child again. And I say, hey, God, what what happened here? Why? Why did that happen? Tell me more. Like a kid asking a million questions because I want to know. And if God still doesn't give me an answer, it's okay because there are mysteries that we don't know. Paul says right now we prophesy in part. We know in part. We see in part. But there will, become, there will be a day coming where we know everything, and it all makes sense to us. But in the moment right now, it's trusting and it's faith to say, okay, God, there's a mystery here, and it's pulled me into an, uh, uh, an inquisitive mindset where I'm asking you, I want you to show me and teach me. And if through that process you don't give me the answer, it's okay because I still trust you. Mystery. There are mysteries in the kingdom. What's this scripture say? I love this, this Bible verse. Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. Let's read it slowly, okay? For my thoughts are, your, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Whew. That means God thinks about things differently than we do. As the heavens are higher than the earth, So are my ways higher than your ways, 
and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain, and here again, God could have stopped there, but he puts a promise right in the middle of this. And he explains how his ways and his thoughts and his words work. He says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and they do not return to it without watering the earth and causing it to bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. Come on. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve, for, uh, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So if there's a mystery, then we need to lean into God and say, God, what does your word say? What word have you released into this situation? What word have you spoken from heaven that has been sent like rain or snow that waters and prepares the earth for fruitfulness? May your words speak into my mystery now and produce the fruit that you sent it to produce. May it accomplish in me the purpose that it was sent to accomplish. How many of you can look back at a season of your life that was a mystery and you leaned into God through the mystery and in it you found an intimacy with him? Did, did we always get the answer? No, no, not always. But I got better than the answer. Oh, come on. We got better than the answer. Amen? It's the peace of God. That, that passes all. And it guards our hearts and our minds. It's the peace that says, I don't have to know the answer to the question. I need to know the author. I need to know the, the finisher. I need to know him. Because there is mystery in the kingdom. And in the Old Testament, they lived with that mystery. And they would say, man, who can understand God? Who can know God? No one no one. He does what he wants. There's even a scripture in Psalms that says, he is God in heaven. He does what he wants. <laughs> like, he is God, and that's how they lived. But then Jesus came, and he made a way for us to enter into the mind of Christ, where we can know his thoughts and understand his ways. So there's that tension of sometimes he'll give us the answer. Sometimes it's an invitation. It's always an invitation into an encounter. But sometimes that's all there is to it and there's no answer with it. But then there are some times where in that process we get the mind of Christ. Now let me, let me break it down like this. It's more important in those seasons that I learn how God thinks about things. And it's more important that I learn that than get the answer I wanted. We have this this thing going on because we do homeschool with the kids and I often um, say to the kids sorry one second yeah. I often uh, tell the kids like hey look like don't just get to the answer I need to see that you're thinking through the problem correctly like nope I want to know that you know how to do this I want to know that you know the process of thinking here it's more important than you getting the answer right I get this all the time, for, especially from a certain older child. This is stupid. I'm not ever going to use this in life. Why am I having to do this? Who does that sound like? like every one of you know. <laughs> like, I'm like, you need to learn how to think, Josiah. <laughs> 
you need to learn. You need to learn how to think. I was the same way. Like, why am I doing this? this is so, because I need to learn how to problem solve. I need to learn how to think. And when God invites us into mystery, it's not the answer that's so important. It's learning how to think the way he thinks. If his thoughts are higher and if his ways are higher than ours, then there is a place that you and I can come to in a mystery, a time of mystery, and start thinking the way he does. And guess what typically happens when we begin to think like God about a problem? The answer doesn't matter because we begin to see a different perspective on the whole thing. We begin to see differently. We begin to see with his eyes. The answer we would have gotten would not have ever given us any peace. God could give us the answer anytime. Ah, Here's the answer. He could be an answer sheet at the back of your quiz booklet, right? Answer sheets, they're all there. Those answers don't provide us any value if we don't learn the process of how he thinks. Amen. Number six, he's here with me. Would you say that? He is here with me. He is Emmanuel. Matthew 1 verse 23 says, And the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. What does it mean? God with us. Say it again. God with us. I want you to see this progression through the Bible. Joshua 1 verse 5. This is after Moses leaves. Remember how God said he would go with Moses? And Moses says, good, because if you don't go with me, I'm not going. And now the baton is being passed to Joshua. And he's going to step up and lead these same people, the same nation that, that Moses was leading. And this is what God tells him as a promise. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Come on. I will not leave you. Everyone say that. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. And then Jesus comes along and multiple times says the same thing. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you. I will send someone to you. I will send the spirit of adoption. And I will put him in your heart. And instead of feeling alone and feeling empty and by yourself as an orphan, the spirit that I put inside of you will come into agreement with your spirit and you'll begin to cry out to the father, daddy, you'll begin to see him as your father. And he says in Matthew 28, 20, right before he's leaving the earth and he tells them to baptize everyone and preach this gospel and he's telling them what to do. And then he gives them this really sweet promise and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now that probably did not make a lot of sense to the disciples who just moments later, days later, are watching this Jesus leave the earth. I will never leave you, echoed in their ear as he's leaving them. But he sent them the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit who came and he lives inside of us because he wouldn't leave us alone. He does not leave us abandoned. Oh my goodness. The greatest of all of these things, that one right there will wreck your life if you can live life knowing God's with me. God is with me in this moment. I'm not alone. I'm not abandoned. God is here right now. It feels like a desert. No, it's not a desert. God is here. Oh, and even if it is a desert, he'll make springs come up in the desert. That's what he does. I think the biggest pain points of my life were seasons where I felt like God was not there. It was worse than whatever I was going through. I felt alone. 
Hemi would agree with that. Like feeling alone is worse than whatever painful thing you're going through. And God addresses the deepest cry of man's heart. And he says, no matter what you go through, you go through troubles, you'll go through trials, tribulations, you'll go through divorce, you'll go through pain, you'll go through suffering, you'll go through businesses failing, you'll go through sickness, disease, you'll go through miscarriages, you'll go through pain, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And in all of those things you go through, I will not leave you. I will walk with you. I will be your shield and your great reward is what he says. And I want you to know this, like we've learned this through life, but I want us to live going forward with this thing tattooed on our hearts. He is with me. The deepest pain point of mankind is being alone. And he says, I will not leave you alone. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, he felt alone. Do you know what the word forsake actually translated, what it means when it's translated? It means to leave drowning. You get your head above the water and then you go under the water. And you get, that struggle of drowning, that's what the word forsake means. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor leave you drowning. If you feel like you're drowning right now, I know I'm talking to someone in the room or on, on the, the video, if you feel like you're drowning, if you feel like you're alone, he's not left you alone. He's not going to leave you and forsake you. You are not drowning. Call out to him right now. Call out to him. He will answer you. He will not walk by you. Jesus, is that you? Yeah. Well, don't pass us by. Come on. Come over here. He's not going to walk past you. He's not going to abandon you. He is with us. Come on. Even to the end of the age. Next week, I think I'm going to get into, into something more about the age, the end of the age that we're living in. The, the word that was coming up this morning was just stirred up inside of me. And, and we're, we're facing a future that's unknown. Like our, our country, the world, the church itself, we've entered into a season where the, the rules we played by are different rules now. They call it a postmodern world. Like it's 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 postmodern. It's post-Christian. It's post-freedom. It's it's a different world and time that we're entering in, and we're f- going to face. I had this talk with with my kids this week. Like, we will face tribulation. If Jesus was persecuted, then we will be persecuted. I don't know what that persecution will look like, but it will happen. And this is part of the end of the age. But even in this stuff we're walking into. He will not leave us. So God is good. Why don't you stand with me? God is good. Nothing is impossible. Jesus' blood paid it all. I am significant. There are mysteries. He is with me. He's so good. We can build our lives on these things. They are a firm foundation. Every season of life, these things will hold us fast. Hmm. David learned how to strengthen himself in the Lord. It was the key of David. He learned how to strengthen himself in the Lord, and we're learning the same thing. Would you stand, and we're going to do altar a little differently. Lance, if you do want to play, that's cool. If not, totally up to you. But here's what I'd like to do.
we're going to go down each of these, the last, these last three we covered today. And we're going to take a moment on each one of them. So if you're here today and you're struggling with this significant thing, whether it's I don't think highly of myself like I should or I think too highly, either spectrum, it doesn't matter, there is a place of significance and humility that's appropriate. If that's you and you're like, man, I, I need that one, would you raise your hand? Right? Yep, 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 come on. Can I just say this? You're, you're all valuable. You need to know that. You're valuable. You are important. You matter. You matter to him. You matter to every one of us in this room. You are significant. So raise your hand again. We're going we're gonna, to, someone go to them. If, if we have too many, then pray for each other, right? Let's, put, let's lay hands on right now. Jesus, come on. We ask that you would come now and baptize us in your significance. Yeah, stir up significance. Ooh. And this, this humility that comes with your significance, we, we do it right now. We break the orphan spirit right now. Ooh. We are not orphans. Ooh. We're not stepchildren. We're sons and daughters. We're bought with a price. Ooh. God, we release over everyone here their significant role and their significance that you have placed inside of them. We call them up to that right now. No longer hiding, no longer in fear, no longer in inferiority. We drive that out. It's a lie in Jesus' name. You don't have to measure up. All you have to do is be a son or a daughter. We release that right now. And Lord, those that struggle with the other side of it where we think too highly, God, we ask that you would humble us. Give us the humility, God, to respect and treat other people with significance as well. Help us, God, not to think more highly of ourselves than we should. Both ends of the spectrum, God. We want to have humble significance. Humble significance in this house. Hey, Amen. If you're here and you've been in a season of mystery, would you raise your hand? Like that's, That one was for you. Oh, there's a season of mystery, things I don't know or I don't understand. Anyone at all? Okay, yes. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, of course. All right. Someone go to each one of them. We're going to pray for this. God, we, we ask. The Lord is sending out an invitation into an intimate encounter for all of you. We bless you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, in the mystery, you call us into the secret place, the place where you fashioned us before we were formed in our mother's womb. You knew us. And Lord, we ask that you would call these that are struggling in the mystery and the unknown right now, that you would pull them into the secret place and that you would remind them who they are, that you would tell them that they're your son and your daughter. God, we release that over them. God, that there would be an intimate encounter in this mystery where you begin to teach us and train us how to think with the mind of Christ so that we can come to the right solutions in life. And God, in the middle of all of this, we will say, we will declare, we trust you. We trust you. But God, I say that my trust does not remove the responsibility I have to seek you in mystery. I can't call it trust and not seek you. Trust seeks. Trust seeks you. Trust doesn't do nothing. Trust is an action. It, it requires an action. Faith is action. So God, we will seek you in the mystery. Because we trust you. Because <laughs> you're faithful and good. Last one, you felt alone. If you've been struggling with loneliness, depression, oppression, anxiety, fill in the blank. Raise your hand. You felt alone. Thank you. Anyone else? 
People on the call, this is for you as well. Jesus, come. Someone go to, go to him. Let's, let's lay hands. Let's pray. Oh, God, you're with us, Emmanuel. Oh, we say your name, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, you never leave us. You never forsake us. You are with us. God, we drive out the loneliness. Loneliness is a lie. We drive it out right now. We drive out anxiety. We drive out oppression, depression right now in Jesus' name. We say it's not welcome here, and we invite the peace of God to come. We invite Jesus Christ to come, the Prince of Peace. Whew. We invite you. Manifest your presence. Manifest your, your presence with us. You are here with us. ha. <laughs> Now, I want, I want everyone to picture your future with Jesus with you. <laughs> picture that obstacle that you're seeing right now with Jesus beside you, with you. Going through it with you. Advising you. Come on. <laughs> we have an attorney who goes with us everywhere and advises us. The wisest of wise. Come on. He's with us advising, leading, counseling, directing, shielding. Oh, come on. Covering and protecting Guarding the things that matter to us. That's who's walking with us. Jesus, he cares. You are not alone. And God, I just declare that those that have felt that, that they will no longer feel alone, that they will know the truth, and that you would be with them. And God, I ask right now that you would also send people into their lives that help them not feel alone too, God. Send them the best friends they've ever had in their life. Make their relationships the deepest, most intimate relationships they've ever had, that that lonely void is filled completely with you and with community. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you need prayer or if you would like prayer for anything else, if you want a prophetic word, Hank and Ashley are helping. They're giving prophetic words to the kid. kids. Go in there and say, hey, I'd like a prophetic word too. They would love to prophesy over you. I like people prophesying over me every single day. Like, come on, give me a prophetic word. What is God saying? Amen? Hello? Amen? Yes, yes, yes. All right, so if you want prayer for anything, we'll meet you here at the front. We thank you for being here. We bless you. The Lord is good. The Lord is faithful. And we'll leave that up in case you want to take a picture of it to remind ourselves. You'll see that on more things around the building soon. And, um, yeah, we bless you. We love you.